0: All right, welcome back to the Ohioan. Oh, uh, Craig, I'm here with you. How are you doing, Craig?
1: I'm doing all right. How are you, Chris?
0: I am weirded out this morning. Uh, Craig, busy day at work. We'll talk about that in a day or two in the show. I get out of work. I have not mowed my grass yet. My grass is way high. It's like the, what, the the Amazon jungle out there. My neighbors are giving me the side eye, so I'm like, I'm going to be a good guy and go mow. Well, you know, when the grass is 10 feet high, you know, it's hard to – you can't just run them over. Yeah, run over a couple of times and everything. And I'm out wearing my shorts, and I'm trying to figure out – it's cold. and It feels like rain. And, Craig, we pay way too much attention to the news. I don't pay attention to the weather like I should. So I'm like, hmm, what's going on? So I go to sleep again. Long day yesterday. Wasn't sure what was going on. I get up this morning, and I look outside, and and the ground's covered with snow. I'm like, what the heck? And, you know, we had some stories here in Gannett, Ohio, and you can tell, usually Columbus is a little warmer than other areas in the state. And, man, if there's snow down here, man, you go up to northern Ohio, where you're at in the Sandusky, Fremont area, man, what's it like up there this morning?
1: Well, it looks like the same for us, too. You know, we've got some snow on the ground, and, just uh you know ohio being ohio i guess you know we're like a running weather meme it seems like in this country where on a given day we can have all four seasons it seems like where we have uh, winter in the morning maybe some spring and fall in this in the you know earlier in the later mornings and then by the evening you know early evening we're in the summer and then at night when the sun goes down we're back to you know kind of frigid temperatures it just seems like ohio has for whatever reason, become this running meme of weather where just anything happens, where one week it's 80 degrees, the next week it's 30 degrees and snowing.
0: I don't remember this, but the Beacon Journal had a story yesterday talking about the latest we had snow. And they're claiming that I think in May 1st of last year we had snow. And, hey, maybe it was COVID. I don't know. I don't remember that. Do you remember that?
1: I don't remember last year having snow in May, but I have – I, I do remember in years past where we've had some snow flurries in May, but it's it's few and far between usually with with May snow. But I, I kind of believe it. I mean, maybe we were just all indoors last May because of COVID and we didn't really realize it snowed or something. So um, I'll believe the I'll believe the reporting on that that we did have snow last May because we probably did.
0: Oh yeah, because we didn't know we're we're inside because snowed until August and we wouldn't have. Yeah, yeah I, I'm looking at the story, but I want to make sure I had it right. Um, Beacon Journal is saying snowfall at May 9th in Summit County of last year. Oh, it wow. tied the late se- season record dating back to 1966. <laughs> wow. Okay, well. Yeah, I, I just don't remember that.
1: And I don't May, remember it, but I'll. like I said, I'll believe it because <laughs> anything could have happened last year. Right. Outs- anything outside could have happened last year, and I, I would believe it at this point because – who are we to know any any better at this? At, you know, with what happened last year and still is happening to some degree. But
0: now I haven't checked the weathers, uh, the um the weather forecast. I, I guess it's supposed to get a little bit warmer. It won't get super warm, uh, but I usually when I check the roads because you know my wife's a teacher, got a couple of kids going to school. It looked like the roads were wet but clear in front of my house, and I look back in the allotment. So I usually think, hey. If it's like this, the roads are probably better once you get outside the allotment. So, I, I'm assuming we're having school day. Have you heard anything about
1: the schools up there? Yeah, I think we're still having school. Um, you know, I, I, it's more of a, you know, more wet than snow, I guess. But yeah, we're still having some, we're still having school as far as I've heard. And again, we're releasing these about a
0: day or two afterwards, just to, so you can get your podcast earlier in the day. So, uh, just to set the time context, you know, we're talking Wednesday morning about this, but yeah, kind of a shocker. I'm, I'm looking forward to the warmer weather. I, I know we talk to these people in California and different places, and I hate it because you know you you gotta ask, hey, what's it like out there? And they're just like, oh, it's, you know, it's cold today. It's sixty. You know, <laughs> we've got the layers on, and I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess it's okay to live in a, in a cold climate. I, I, I kind of think, like, you feel like you hit it when the weather gets warmer. I mean, I, like, I don't like the sweat, but, I mean, I like the summer months, and I kind of feel more hipper like, compared to the rest of the country when the weather finally gets warm and everything. That's how we were there. But you're <laughs> right, it's Ohio. I, I always seem to remember at the start of baseball season, there's always, like, a weird day where, like, the Indians-Reds game gets snowed. And actually, from what I understood, the Reds game was suspended last night uh, because of the rain. Yeah. And the snow. So,
1: yeah, they yeah. had some sleet turn into snow. And, yeah. You know, so, and, and, cool.
0: yeah. And, you know, the Beacon Drills throw is a good reminder because sometimes when this happens, we're like, oh my goodness, it's 2021. It's COVID. What's going on? It happens. <laughs> it happens in the hot. Now, if we start seeing snow in LA at this time of year, yeah, run for the hills. We're in trouble. But, you know, hey, this is Ohio, we get this weather, and it, it just it happens. I mean, I, I don't know what to say. I, I guys I tell you, though, it, it is pretty frustrating. Now, you live in northern Ohio, which is like the snow belt. We get a lot more snow. Are you frustrated this morning, or are you just more like, hey, this is all good?
1: Uh, you know, I think I'm, I'm more used to it. The only thing that I'm really – this is kind of stupid, but the only thing I'm really frustrated about is that my dogs are going to have to go outside in it, and they're going to get yeah. all muddy – And I'm probably going to have to carry them in so they don't get rugs and carpet dirty uh, with with little tiny paw prints on it. So I can handle it. I don't really mind it. Um, I don't really plan on going outside today, but having to let the dogs out and let them back in, I'll, I'll probably be carrying them in an awkward way, you know, holding them away from me or something while their paws are like suspended in the air because I don't want them to get mud all over the place. Man, we gotta see a picture of that. <laughs> well, yeah, you might. I don't know. It'll be it'll be an awkward, uh, an awkward situation because they, uh, you know, you hold them away from you because you don't want to get mud all over you, and then, you know, their their legs are gonna like stiffen up and jet out, and they're gonna be scared because they don't know what's going on. So, I, I just hope and pray that it dries up very quickly so the uh, the grass outside isn't so muddy out.
0: Uh, wow. Now they're saying this, and man, Craig, I'm really depressed. I'm looking at the uh, forecast that appears in the Beacon Journal. Uh, They're saying on Wednesday you might see a little bit more snow, no, and you might see that snow going into Thursday morning.
1: Come on, (laughs) this is crazy. You know, it wouldn't be Ohio if we didn't have some freakish weather. As after we thought we were starting the warm up period, so I guess it. I guess it is what it is. That's what it, it's Ohio for you. That's all you can say at this point. Anytime we get a weather, it, you know, any kind of weather, any it seems like well, it's it's Ohio for you because that's what Ohio does is it finds a way to to mess up your day or mess up your yard or whatever it may be. Now I will note that Wednesday
0: going to Thursday morning, they're saying a high is an inch, and again that's up in Akron. If you live kind of where I live or south, you may see some snowflakes, but it's less than that. So, again, I'm not saying, hey, buy the shovels and the salt where, you know, you're snowed in. It, right. It's just kind of a weird time. Has. And, hey, we're Ohioans. We live here. We should expect it. But, hey, we still complain. Craig's going to be having his dogs upside down as he carries them in the house and <laughs> um, uh, I'm still not wearing shorts today, but hey, I'm I'm working at home, so Ouch. I'll just try to stay warm in the house. But I don't know, I had a dream by this time. I, I guess I can't do the podcast outside now. Uh, we taped at six in the morning. I'm looking outside, it's still dark. But my hope is, like, you know, I, I work with one production with Canal Ohio. I was hoping, like, maybe I can work out in the back porch and you know, it'll come probably not today, though. I'll be no. inside today,
1: so. definitely not today.
0: Yeah, <laughs> definitely. All right, thanks for checking out the Ohioan. Uh, lots of stuff, lots of content on the website. Um, I was telling Craig yesterday, man, we, there's a lot of stuff that guy got get up right away. Um, you know, check uh later this week. I mean, this uh, part will air tomorrow, uh. But man, Craig's got some Oscar previews. Uh, Bob garber has got some movie previews. Craig, I think you had some reviews from last weekend too, right?
1: Uh, yeah, it's hard to keep track of everything, but, uh, we'll have plenty of content and also my Oscar predictions. So for those of you who are getting into Oscar pools this year, um, I don't know if I would a hundred percent tell you to use my picks, but I would, I would say if you're doing like a majority, you know, majority of the, the bigger content, you know, the bigger categories, I think you might be safe with my picks. So, um, I know one of our, uh, our editor friends in in Gannett, Ohio uses my picks sometimes, so I'm hopeful oh, yeah. that I'm hopeful that if he does use those this year, that he does well. So then I don't get uh, you know a slap on the wrist or something.
0: Yeah, definitely should be interesting. So um, yeah, this shows will air Thursday. Um, expect also on Thursday to get probably uh, Craig's review segment and uh, Craig's segment with our movie reviewer Bob. Garver, and then I would think probably Friday or Saturday you'll see um, Craig's Oscar picks. I and mean, obviously it'll have to be before Sunday. So thanks for checking out the Ohio. Check out our sponsors. Um, support the show. I mean, you can win stuff um, and just lots of good stuff going on. So th- thanks for being a part of it, and we'll be back shortly. Hey,
1: everybody. Welcome back to the Ohioan Podcast. I'm Craig Schaub. With us today is Bob Garber, our New York City film critic. Bob, how you doing this weekend? How was your weekend?
2: Uh, my weekend was wonderful. I've uh, gotten the first vaccination. I've gotten a haircut, and <laughs> I am ready to go. Happy Monday.
1: All right, and you've been watching some movies lately that we're going to yes, talk about. Yes, I have, so that's I great have been watching too. some movies. All right. Well, the first one we have is uh, In the Earth. Uh, this is a, I guess it's described as a horror movie. Uh, as the world searches for a cure to a disastrous virus, which uh, that's kind of interesting, a scientist and park scout venture deep into the forest for routine quit- equipment run. So, Bob, what did you think about this movie that just released here on Friday?
2: Well, uh, I should point out that the um, part where the world searches for a cure to a virus, uh, that's actually a very small part of it. Okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, it could have been deleted entirely and... Uh, the film would have been affected little, if, if at all. Okay. Um, basically, um, there's a uh, scientist that we meet in the third act who believes uh, she's discovered not only, I guess, the cure to this virus, but also uh, something about unlocking the secrets of the universe.
1: Okay. So does this uh, play more as a horror movie or more of like a science fiction type film?
2: It's it's a horror movie. Um it's, it's divided into what I would call three parts. There's a part that is reminiscent of the Blair Witch Project, uh, okay. where our main protagonist and his ranger guide go uh, into the forest and um, they're a bit unprepared for some of the natural elements that they face, uh, especially when it seems that there is someone or something that is up to no good. Uh, then the second part, is uh, a part that is reminiscent of *Midsummer*, uh, which gets into uh, sort of this um, mythological aspect, um, but also uh, has a delightful sun-baked goodness and uh, some very disturbing scenes in that. Uh, and then the last third, uh, I would describe as reminiscent of uh, *M. Night Shyamalan's The Happening*. Okay. Uh, where uh where the characters interact with nature uh and uh nature very much has the upper hand on them because what chance do four humans have against all of nature
1: okay well i know that um you you said that maybe you could dismiss the whole you know disastrous virus but does this movie does it kind of feel like it's a response movie to COVID 19 or is it just a, more of a coincidence
2: I think um, maybe it's a coincidence. I think maybe um, the minor aspect of the virus uh, was maybe thrown in at the last minute uh, to make it relevant uh, as it prepared for its release in early 2021. But uh, again, it it could be removed from the movie and, and it wouldn't be affected.
1: Okay. Well, obviously, I, I I didn't really have a whole lot of knowledge of this movie. Did you Did you know anything about this movie going into it? I mean, no, so I didn't see kind of I didn't see a in. single
2: trip. I didn't see a single trailer for it. I knew nothing about it other than that it was the uh, biggest new release of this past weekend, and it didn't even it didn't even make enough money to uh, to pass the second weekend of Voyagers. That's my print review for this weekend. Is is Voyagers that disappointing movie from? Right. Last weekend, that uh, that that actually beat this one.
1: Yeah, it looks like it had a limited release as well here for In the Earth, only five hundred and six thousand according to box office, mojo.com so not a not a very good take there but also a limited release so let's you know it'd be interesting to see if they give this uh, an expanded release or if they just say let's cut our losses and just let it go and and probably not try to reinvest into more you know theatrical screens because obviously like you said struggled to to really you know resonate with any audiences um, overall anything stand out that you liked about this movie or you know was it all kind of just, a uh, hit and a miss here. Uh,
2: yes, I, I really like the first two thirds of this movie, where okay. uh, the characters uh, have to have to battle these woods. Um, they have to battle their own ill preparedness. They have to battle a um, a villain. Oh, uh, druggings via a uh, delicious beverage. That's another uh, thing gotcha. right it, of Midsummer. Um, and there is a scene of foot mutilation in the second oh. act that is simply put the most disturbing scene of foot mutilation I have ever seen. Uh, I know the gold standard for foot mutilation is misery. Rob Reiner's misery with Kathy Bates. Right. But uh, this, this scene of foot mutilation is way worse than the, than the scene in that movie.
1: Okay. All right. Well, overall, did you, did you give this a letter grade? What would you give this?
2: B I would give this a B. Um, Lots of flashing lights in this movie. Uh, It'll, it'll warn the viewer itself at the beginning. Sure. Uh, which I don't think I've ever seen a film do before, but uh, take the warning seriously because this is a real uh, assault on the eyes and in fact, all of the senses.
1: Okay. All right. So there you have it. Uh, A recommendation there to see uh, in the earth. uh, In the
2: earth. Yes. If you, if you can handle an R rated horror movie and if you can handle uh, all the flashing lights.
1: Okay. All right. Well, let's move on here. A couple of Netflix films uh, that are uh, going to be very prominent this weekend at the Academy Awards. Uh, let's talk about Mank. Now, for any of you have, that have not seen it yet, this is sort of a retelling of Herman Mankiewicz, the screenwriter for maybe the greatest film ever made, Citizen Kane, sort of a uh, a, the, a little bit of a snapshot into life of him writing this film. Tell us a little bit about David Fincher's uh, latest film, Mank.
2: Okay, uh, well, Manx uh, tells the story of, like you said, Herman Mankiewicz as he uh, goes about um, writing and trying to get credit for his role in writing Citizen Kane. Um, like uh, like the reporter in Kane, he interacts with a lot of people from uh, his life who have various opinions on whether the movie should be even made or released or not. Um, but he's, he's largely been influenced by events in his life, and we see flashbacks to these uh, events. Uh, much of them involve the um, lover of uh, William Randolph Hearst, who was of course the inspiration for the King character. Um, and this uh, lover of hers is, is, I guess, sort of a muse for uh, Mank. Uh, she's played by Amanda Seyfried. Um, we also see him in interactions with his assistant, played by Lily Collins. Uh, and his wife, who uh, Tuppence—I uh, know her first name is Tuppence. Her her last name, I'm sorry to say, uh, escapes me at the moment. But uh, but but all of the uh, actresses do a splendid job. Cyfride uh, is nominated for an Oscar. I probably would have gone with Collins. Oh, okay. And
1: nominated
2: for best supporting actress.
1: Okay, so obviously we're we're talking about a period film here, 1930s Hollywood. Uh, black and white. What did you think about the overall aesthetics of this film?
2: Uh, Well, uh, Fincher always brings top-notch aesthetics to his films Uh, and this one absolutely uh, tries to push itself as a product of the time uh, with black and white photography, uh, sound sound effects, um, a score made by uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross who are known primarily for electronic influence work, but here uh, just capture the jazzy, um, uh, what is it, 1940s style uh, perfectly. It seems like it's right out of that era.
1: Sure. Um, Was the black and white a great choice? Was it a good decision to go black and white? Yes.
2: Great choice, great photography. Looks like a a beautiful film.
1: Okay. Well, obviously uh, it's the most nominated film at the Academy Awards this Sunday. Ten nominations. It's going um, to win for something. Okay, I was gonna. I was kind of curious because sometimes you see some of those movies that they they resonate fairly well with Oscar voters in every category, but maybe they're just not quite at that level. Is there anything that stands out, maybe that you think is more of a surefire win than than maybe some other categories in this one?
2: Um. Well, I'd like to say it's cinematography, but then again, the uh, cinematography for for *Nomadland* uh, is pretty amazing. Sure. But uh, there, this movie pays a lot of attention to detail. It's it's going to win in some technical categories.
1: Well, it's got costume design, hairstyling, and makeup, um, uh, production design as well. Those are production some of design. Those... That's
2: that's a good yeah. one too.
1: Okay, and obviously Gary Oldman uh, playing Herman Mankiewicz, he's nominated. David Fincher was nominated. Amanda Seyfried, like you said uh, best sound as well. So, uh, definitely, uh, scored a lot of nominations at the end of the day though. Did you think it was, uh, was worthy of all the Oscar hype? What did your, what was your final grade for Mank?
2: Um, like in the earth, I would give Mank a B, um, okay. it clearly top-notch effort went into it. Um, not sure I really connected with, uh, with the main character very much, uh, especially knowing that Gary Oldman, uh, appropriately named in this case, uh, is much older than the subject.
1: Sure. All right. So there you have it, a B for Mank. Uh, Obviously, we'll be interested to see how it does at the Academy Awards this Sunday. Uh, But let's move on to another Oscar contender nominated for six Oscars. It's The Trial of the Chicago 7. Bob, tell us a little bit about this film. What's it about? Well,
2: uh, this is very much an Aaron Sorkin movie, Uh, lots of snappy dialogue, uh, lots of smart characters exchanging ideas. Um, It's about the, well, trial, obviously, of uh, protest leaders in Chicago in the 60s who um, were accused of uh, instilling a riot. Actually, I think the... um, I think the official charge is conspiring to cross state lines to incite a riot. Okay. Uh, These characters have have barely met each other and uh, belong to organizations with some very different ideologies, but that's what they're accused of and they face 10 years in prison uh, if they're found guilty of uh, conspiring to cross state lines to incite a riot. Um, And uh, the film features um, Abby Hoffman, uh, played by Sasha Baron Cohen. Uh, that was the only name I recognized, other than uh, Fred Hampton uh, from uh, the um, Black Panther leader from Judas and the Black Messiah. Mm. Uh, did not expect a cameo from him in this movie, uh, by which I mean a, a character playing him. Right. Or an actor playing him. Uh, but those were the only two characters I, I recognized. And uh, I have to say, I think the film maybe gives the viewer a little too much credit uh, just by identifying characters very quickly and uh, forcing at least me to uh, look up who they were.
1: Okay. Well, obviously Aaron Sorkin is a renowned writer for the screen. But he's also kind of dipped his toes quite often, quite frequently lately, into directing. Um, You know, Molly's Game came out a few years ago. Obviously, he's got this. Were you a little surprised to see Sorkin was sort of left out of the best director category after this film really did receive a lot of hype and it did score six nominations? But kind of strange that he was omitted after a best picture and best screenplay, uh, you know, nomination for this film.
2: Well, uh, anytime. Uh, director is omitted from Best Director when their movie is nominated for Best Picture. Picture, um, I consider that a bit of a surprise. Uh, the four who were nominated, the four uh, directors who were nominated for Best Picture nominated films, uh, they were of course no surprise. Um, I was surprised that a fifth nominee for Best Director uh, came from a non-nominated film. I think uh, I think another film that was nominated for best picture should have had their director in that
1: race. Okay. Um, overall, what did you think about the, sh- the trial of Chicago seven, obviously you get into these courtroom dramas. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't, sometimes they add and subtract from the real story. Overall, what did you think about the the trial of the Chicago seven?
2: Uh, I know I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but I am c- giving it a B. Okay. Um, yeah. I just, I just liked, um, moderately all three movies this week sure
1: well nothing Um, wrong with that
2: they put me in a good mood but uh, (laughs) at the same time i'm not ready to end any of them. best picture
1: sure okay well that's a good segue into what we're going to talk about next here really quickly obviously the academy awards uh a very delayed ceremony this year will be on this sunday Um, We're going to look at some of the categories, the top six, which usually are the director, uh, best picture, and then the acting categories and kind of of see where Bob's thinking that uh, maybe the the voters may have uh, skewed this year. Um, I think there are maybe a couple of shoe-ins, but maybe we can talk about some surprises or maybe some, some locks this year. But let's start with best director. Now, obviously... Uh, Chloe Zhao for Nomadland seems to be the favorite. You've got Emerald Fennell from Promising Young Woman. David Fincher we just talked about with Mank. Uh, Thomas uh, Vinterberg from Another Round, which was one of the movies not nominated for Best Picture that kind of snuck in there. And then Lee Isaac Chung from Minari. Um, We've talked a little bit about some of these movies. uh, After seeing most of these movies, who do you think takes uh, Best best Director?
2: Uh, Well, I think... Since Nomadland is favored to win Best Picture, I think it's only fair to say that Chloe Zhao should be uh, should be the front runner for Best Director. Um, now, me personally, I would give Best Picture to Minari, uh, and therefore I would give Best Director to Lee Isaac Chung.
1: Okay, fair enough. I also think Chloe Zhao seems destined to win this category. A lot of uh, you know, a lot of previous awards that she's kind of won, the movies won. I think Chloe Zhao seems to be a, a pretty close lock at winning this. But uh, now we kind of move on to the acting categories. For Best Actress, obviously, you know, this is always a, a tough category to choose because you just don't know how it's going to work out. We have Frances McDormand from Nomad Land, Viola Davis from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Carrie Mulligan in Promising Young Woman, uh, Andrew Day from the United States versus Billie Holiday, and then Vanessa Kirby uh, for *Pieces of a Woman*. Uh, does this seem like it's a Francis McDormand category to lose this year?
2: Yes, yes, it does, um, because *Nomadland* is so far out in the front of the Best Picture race, and you can't talk about that movie without talking about Francis McDormand's performance. Um, I will say that this is probably a race uh, very, um, very. Uh, most susceptible to an upset. Um, Viola Davis is, of course, a respectable uh, musical performance in her movie. Andra Day, even though her movie isn't getting very good reviews, her performance uh, actually beat out Frances McDormand for The Golden Globe. Sure. Uh, sure. Carrie Mulligan has been picking up um, Critics Awards. Um, I think Vanessa Kirby is probably the one that uh, that seems to have fallen by the wayside, but... Uh, McDormand is definitely still, you know, the front runner, but uh, Day and Mulligan and Davis are nipping at her heels.
1: Any, out of out of that second group, maybe outside of McDormand, is there anybody you think that could pull off the upset? Uh,
2: I have not seen uh, two of the movies. I have not seen Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and I have not seen The United States versus Billy Holiday, so I I can't comment on which ones. Uh, Really should and shouldn't pull an upset, sure. but I just based on based on the winds of momentum, I think this is McDormand's to lose. Sure.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't uh, be opposed to seeing um, Carrie Mulligan. I thought she was great um, in Promising Young Woman. I, I don't know if it's going to quite beat McDormand this year, but uh, I do think Carrie Mulligan could be a potential upset possibly. Uh, If Oscar voters kind of shy away from McDormand who recently had won from three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, Um, you know, looking at the best actor category, I think this is probably one of the locks of the night. But let's get a little talk from you. Uh, Best actor, obviously, Chadwick Boseman from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, uh, Anthony Hopkins from The Father, Riz Ahmed from Sound of Metal, which you uh, reviewed last week, Steve Yoon from Minari, which you love that film in his performance, and of course, Gary Oldman. Sort of the old uh, standard. Uh, seems like he gets nominated all the time now for Mank. Um, I know you haven't seen Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, but it seems like this is Chadwick Boseman's film, and it seems like this is his award to win.
2: Yes, the, the posthumous nature of the nomination makes him a near lock. I can't, I, I can't really discuss it beyond that. It's, it's.
1: Sure. it's, it's is
2: solid. there
1: anybody from that next tier? Because you've seen the other nominees performances from Hopkins to Ahmed to Yoon to Oldman, anybody else that, you know, stood out as maybe if Bozeman wasn't in this category, they'd have a shot. Um, Ahmed
2: would probably be my, my second choice, uh, just because he puts so much effort into the physicality of his performance.
1: Right. Absolutely. Well, I think, I think it's pretty safe to say Chadwick Bozeman is a near lock for this award. Um, And we will now move on to some of the supporting characters, supporting actors. So supporting actress uh, this year, obviously another uh, interesting category. Uh, We have Yoo Jung Yoon from Minari, uh, Maria Baklava from Borat, Amanda Seyfried from Mank, Olivia Coleman from The Father, and then Glenn Close, who has sort of the dubious honor of being nominated for a Razzie and for an Oscar for Hillbilly Elegy um, this could be kind of a toss-up. I don't, I don't know if there's anybody that really stands out. How, what do you think about this? Uh,
2: there actually uh, does seem to be a standout, okay. and that's the uh, actress from Minari who has been picking up um, a lot of prizes and has always has been consistently uh, stealing the show with her speeches.
1: Right. Um,
2: and I think yeah. the, uh, the Academy is likely to give her one more chance to, to make a speech. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it does seem like you, uh, you Jung Yoon does seem to be a favorite here. Uh, any of the other actors stand out? I mean, I know we you just saw Mank with Amanda Seyfried. I, I know you said Lily Collins maybe deserved a little bit more love for that film than her, but Olivia Colman is always a fun you know actress, and she's done some great things, and she's a great speech giver. Uh, you know, she was in The Father with Anthony Hopkins, kind of going toe to toe with a legend. Uh, does she kind of stand out as someone that might be that second best or that second tier maybe?
2: Um second um I'd say the second biggest front runner and probably my pick to win uh would actually be um uh, the actress from Borat. Okay. Um, I think her character um went through had more of an arc, uh went through more physicality for her performance and uh, in general was just the more memorable character of sure. uh, of all the actresses in that uh that category.
1: Okay. Uh, well, and obviously a lot of people, she's sort of a newcomer to a lot of people. So you never know. Sometimes the Academy likes to, to kind of go with those newcomers. So uh, now moving along here, the supporting actor. I know we've kind of talked about this before. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya from Judas and the Black Messiah appears to sort of be that favorite. Uh, Sasha Baron-Cohn for The Trial of the Chicago 7 is in there. Uh, Paul Racy from Sound of Metal. Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami. And then Lakeith Stanfield also from Judas and the Black Messiah was able to score a nomination out of that. It looks like this is Daniel Kaluuya's uh, award to win. He just gave a great performance in Judas and the Black Messiah. Is that what you're kind of thinking for this, uh, this supporting actor award?
2: Yes. Well, uh, three of these performances are uh, Fred Hampton related.
1: Right. Um,
2: between uh, between Cohen and the uh, uh, Trial of the Chicago 7 and um, Lakeith Stanfield in Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, Uh, but it's the one who's actually playing Fred Hampton, Daniel Kaluuya, who is almost locked to take this.
1: All right, well, I agree with you on that. Doesn't seem like there will be an upset in that category, just a powerful performance. I was a little surprised that Kaluuya was more of a supporting actor nominee as opposed to uh, maybe being a best actor nominee, but I think the studio was was wanting to go for more of a surefire nomination, knowing that he'd get nominated in the supporting category this year. Um, but he would now- He gotten we, swashed by Bozeman. Right, right. So now we go on to best picture. So this year, um, obviously the Academy can nominate between five and 10 best pictures. This year they have eight. We'll run them down very quickly. Nomadland, The Trial of the Chicago Seven, Promising Young Woman, Minari, Mank, The Father, judas and the black messiah and then sound of metal so it looks like the the momentum is is shifted towards nomadland since its release everybody has seemed to maybe peg this as a best picture winner um is can anybody beat nomadland what movie could beat nomadland for best picture
2: i would like it to be uh minari um both both are very low-key movies um, about characters who live in either vehicles or converted vehicles, uh, so it's kind of a toss-up between those two. Um, I will say that they both lack kind of that epic feel of an Oscar Best Picture winner. Uh, sure. To me, it was the two movies that opened this pack, or not opened this past week that I saw this past week: uh, *Mank* and *The Trial of the Chicago 7, That um, that really had the scale of a Best Picture winner. Right, um, but Given how low-key the world had to keep things in 2020, I suppose it's uh, appropriate that we get a low-key Best Picture winner.
1: <laughs> do you think it's possible that maybe the, the Trial of Chicago 7 may be that potential spoiler for for Nomadland? I mean, it, it seems like it, it has, maybe, like you said, has that appeal to Oscar voters in scope. Uh, do you feel like maybe if, if there was one movie that might beat it out, it could be The, the Trial of Chicago 7?
2: If there was one movie that could uh, beat out both of those two, I would say it would probably be Mank. Other than the, okay, aside from the Trial of the Chicago Seven, because well, um, yeah. it has it has the edge of being a movie about movies and right. movie people love those movies
1: absolutely. And it did receive ten nominations, the most nominations of any uh, any film. Just uh, kind of wrapping up now. Any. Uh, any locks? Any anything that you Any surprises that maybe you might think could happen at, on Oscar Sunday, or do you think the, the locks that we talked about with Chadwick Boseman and maybe Daniel Kaluuya and and maybe even uh, Chloe Zhao are, are are sort of it? Do you think any other categories stand out to you that could be a lock?
2: Well, um, yeah, I think I think actors a lock, uh, supporting actors a lock, uh, supporting actress I think is a two person race. Uh, Best Actress has a clear front-runner with um, three possible upsets. Uh, And uh, Best Picture is between the two, uh, Nomadland
1: and uh, uh, Minari. Sure. Well, I think we can only hope that the uh, ceremony isn't like four and a half hours this year, but I'm sure they'll find a way to do it.
2: It's it's slated to be a short one. They're actually going to perform... Uh, all of the nominated songs on the pre-show, so that okay. will not. Be That'll part help of the
1: out. Yeah, that will help. All right, Bob. Well, we definitely appreciate your time, and uh, like we said, you know, the Oscars are this Sunday. So go ahead and uh, watch them and keep tally, and we'll see how everybody does. And uh, this is Craig and Bob signing off from the Ohio Win Podcast. Thanks so much.
2: Thank you for having me. Highlight of my week. <laughs>
1: Hey everyone, it's Craig Schaub here with The Ohioan Podcast, and today I am going to be uh, giving you a special treat, the Oscar predictions uh, with the ceremony coming up on Sunday. I'd like to take a look at maybe some of the possible surprises, maybe some of the locks, uh, and then overall just give you a prediction of every single category. Yes, that would also include animated short, live action short, documentary short, we'll give it our best try uh, to, to see if we do uh, somewhat well this year, although I think with COVID kind of wrecking havoc a little bit last year uh, on a lot of movie releases, it could be interesting to see how the awards ceremony plays out. This year, Mank led the way with 10 nominations. I don't really see them winning too many, if any. Uh, I do have predicted them to win one, but uh, I think this year could be the year of Nomadland. Chloe Zhao's uh, terrific uh drama that uh, takes Frances McDormand on a trip as a nomad across the country uh, as a way of self-discovery and just trying to find her way in the world after the passing of her husband. But uh, looking at each category, there are 23 categories. It looks like they've actually condensed the sound categories from sound mixing and sound editing to just sound, which is maybe a little bit more economical at this point but I am gonna go down the list. I'm gonna start uh, with the sort of the lower level categories that maybe you don't quite remember or know too much about and we'll work our way up to best picture. So we'll start off with something somewhat interesting, best visual effects. Now I have Tenet winning this category. Again, a lot of the summer blockbusters were kind of null and void last year because of the pandemic. So I think Tenet has an opportunity to sneak into this category, a lot of reverse photography, Uh, going backwards and forwards and speeding up. Just an interesting uh, potential for that film. I think it's going to score pretty well with Oscar voters for visual effects. Now, Best Sound, I'm going to go with Sound of Metal, the uh, drama about the drummer who's losing his hearing. Riz Ahmed is nominated for Best Actor. Uh, I think this movie probably just a shoe-in for Best Sound. Now, production design, this is the movie that I actually think Mank is going to possibly win for. Uh, it's a 1930s, 1940s, early Hollywood talkies uh, kind of set film, black and white, beautiful production design. Really takes you back to that era. Storytells of stories about Herman Mankiewicz's uh, role in writing one of the greatest movies movies of all time in Citizen Kane. So I think Mank has a really good opportunity to win for production design. Now, best makeup and hairstyling, I have Ma Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, a movie that you can catch right now on Netflix. Uh, You know, this is also another one that you probably will see here in in a couple categories. But, uh, you know, makeup and hairstyling, always unique when you're talking about period films. And I think Ma Rainey's is going to have a great shot at the makeup and hairstyling as well. Now, best film editing, I have The Trial of the Chicago 7, Aaron Sorkin's courtroom drama, uh, I think that probably has a, a good bet of winning film editing. Usually the best film editing is the film editing you don't necessarily recognize while you're watching a movie. It just seamlessly transitions to the next scene or the next shot or whatever it may be, and it does it in a nice way where you do, it doesn't bring attention to itself. Usually that's the the, the type of film that wins in that category. Now, looking at best costume design, I go back to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Uh, Chadwick Boseman, Viola Davis, star in this music drama. Great period piece, costuming and hair and sty- hair styling and makeup. As I said, I think that's going to win for hair styling and makeup, and I think costume design seems to be a pretty good bet as well. <clears throat> now, getting on to best cinematography, I have Nomadland taking the uh, the win here. Chloe Zhao's film is just beautiful to look at as you see, uh, you know, beautiful landscapes of the, of the southwest in the United States. You see mountain ranges, you see uh, desolate Nevada territory, just a beautifully subtle kind of masterpiece in filmmaking, but also more importantly, it's beautiful to look at. I think cinematography will go to nomad land. Now, best original song I have Speak Now from the film One Night in Miami. Best Original Score, I have going to Soul, the Disney Plus uh, animated film, great score on that film, kind of a tearjerker at times uh, with the movie, so I think uh, Soul will have a great shot at winning Best Original Score. Now we get to some of the categories I'm a little bit less uh, inclined to know a little bit about, so I kind of take an estimated guess. Uh, read up, read up a little bit about things and see what other people may say, but then also kind of you know read a little bit about the films and, and if I can watch a trailer, um, if I can't watch the, the the films as they are. But best live action short, I'm going with Feeling Through. Best animated short, I'm going with If Anything Happens, I Love You. Although Burrow, the Disney Pixar. Uh, short feature. Could possibly win that category, but I think I'm going to go with if anything happens, I love you in that category. Best documentary short, A Concerto is a Conversation, and best documentary feature, I'm going with the documentary Time. Now moving into the best international feature, I am going with Thomas Vinterberg's Another Round, which has also uh, scored him a nomination for best director. I think that Almost makes it a lock for Best International Feature. And then Best Anime Feature. I had a little bit of a a debate on this one between the movie Soul and Wolfwalkers, the Apple TV Plus movie that got rave reviews towards the end of the year last year. But I think Soul, you know, Academy voters, I think, tend to go with the more prominent, well-known uh, animated features. And I think Soul certainly deserves the the nomination and could deserve the victory. So I think I'm going to go with Soul. I think the Academy voters are going to look at that and say, that's the movie for us. Now, Best Adapted Screenplay, I'm going with Chloe Zhao's Land, A great, like I said, it's a great film, my favorite film of last year. I think it's going to do pretty well at the Oscars, win several awards. And I do think that it has a great chance of winning Best Adapted Screenplay. Now, best original screenplay, which is probably one of my favorite categories because this is an original work of art. And this year I am picking Emerald Fennell's Promising Young Woman. This movie really stuck out to me. I had an opportunity to watch this as a focus feature screener and it just blew me away. It wasn't a perfect film, but the performance from Carrie Mulligan and the script and the direction of Emerald Fennell was just amazing I'm really hoping that this movie does take original screenplay and I'd love to see this movie uh, even win a few other awards as well. Now looking at the big six categories, the big six categories are direction, best picture, in the, the four acting categories. Now we're gonna start with best supporting actress and I have Yoo Jung Yoon from Minari. Uh, this is a sort of been a shoe in I'm almost, uh, she won the SAG award uh, and again with Oscars, the Oscar branches, So in this case, actresses, supporting actresses, you know, the actors are gonna vote for their their peers essentially. And having won the SAG award, I think uh, Yoon is probably a shoe in to win best supporting actor. Now supporting, or supporting actress, I'm sorry. Now supporting actor, speaking of which, I've got Daniel Kaluuya from Judas and the Black Messiah. This was a late entry into the Oscars. Remember this year you could even extend until February for a release date and Judas and the Black Messiah was a February release date and not that it needed to have that lasting image on you from just recent, but Daniel Kaluuya gave an outstanding performance. You could maybe argue that he should have been in the best actor category, but I almost think Warner Brothers did themselves a better service by saying we want Kaluuya in the best supporting actor category because we know he will win that category and I think he will win that category for his performance in Judas and the Black Messiah. Now, looking at Best uh, best Actress, I this is a toss-up. This is probably a three-person race, a three-woman race. But I think you could toss up a coin in the air, call it. It could land on anybody at this point. Right now, I'm picking Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Of course, she did win the SAG Award. She does seem to have uh, great ties with the Academy. And I think she'll have a great shot at winning this. But I would not sleep on uh, Francis McDormand for Nomadland, or of course, as I previously mentioned, Carrie Mulligan for her performance in Promising Young Woman. I would love to see Carrie Mulligan win this award, uh, with Davis and McDormand being previous winners. Not that that's a bad thing, but, uh, I'd, I'd really love to see Carrie Mulligan win the Oscar cause she gives she gives a great performance in Promising Young Woman. And I'd really love to see her take that prize home on Sunday. Now, looking at best actor, unfortunately, posthumously, I think Chadwick Boseman is going to win this award uh, for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and I think there there may be some people that say that he only was nominated because he passed away last year. That is not the case. Everybody truly believes that he gave a great performance in this film, and it looks like he will win no matter what. He is the clear frontrunner in that best actor race, although Anthony Hopkins for the father could also sneak in there at the bitter end uh, and, and maybe steal one as sort of a you know, lifetime achievement as, You know, as he's getting older, but he gave a great performance in The Father. And of course he previously won for Silence of the Lambs as well as playing Hannibal Hector. So now we're down to the final two. Best Director. This seems to me more of a shoe-in. I think it's gonna be Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. I just feel like she has all the momentum. She won the Golden Globe. She's well revered by everybody in the industry, and I think that everybody is going to reward her for a great work of art that she produced with Nomadland. Uh, Now, if she does win, which I expect her to, that will make her the first woman of color to win Best Director, which would be a great honor and a great opportunity to hopefully expand the Academy Awards in the future to really highlight men and women of color, not just white males that we've seen quite often lately in the uh, Oscar ca- in the Oscar categories. So Chloe Zhao is my pick for Nomadland. And if you didn't know already, <laughs> uh, Best Picture, I'm going with Nomadland. Uh, eight nominations this year, uh, eight nominated Best Pictures, I should say. Nomadland, I think, stands out. Um, there are other films like Minari and Judas and the Black Messiah that have gained some steam. You could probably argue that Chicago, the trial of the Chicago Seven is a little bit more of an Oscar darling because of its scope and its, you know, panache. But I just think Nomadland, in an understated, you know, understated performances, great photography, great direction, and just a unique story told. I think almost at the right time when we're talking about uh, the COVID pandemic and how people have kind of adapted their lifestyles. This movie kind of seems like a, a movie for our time. And I even though it's a little bit more understated than you would normally get for Best Pictures, I think Nomadland is going to take the, the award home. Um, and this year it's going to be the, the movie that sort of deserves it as opposed to maybe the movie that, you know, got the, the, the most uh, box office return or whatever it may be, much like what we saw last year with Parasite winning. A lot of people did not expect Parasite to win Best Picture even though it was the Best Picture last year. Uh, you know you just wonder sometimes foreign language films don't do great at the Best Picture category and of course the scope of, of movies also kind of matters sometimes to these Oscar voters. So there are my 23 picks. Obviously I'm not going to get them all right I hope I do but if I had to pick a couple of locks and you know especially in that big in the big six categories I really think the one the one difference could be, I don't know about Best Picture, because Trial of the Chicago Seven has gained some steam. And a lot of Oscar voters like Aaron Sorkin, the director and writer of that film. Although I think the one thing that maybe stood out to me was Sorkin was not nominated for Best Director. Chloe Zhao, of course, was. So I kind of give that, I kind of give that tiebreaker a little bit to Chloe Zhao, thinking that Nomad Land is going to win Best Picture because of that. Um, and then also the biggest lock, I think, of the night will probably be Chadwick Boseman uh, winning best uh, you know best actor for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I think he's a prohibited favorite, probably you know one of the most favored actors to win in, in recent memory. I, I think it's his to lose, and I would be shocked if any other name is called uh, when that category comes up. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya, I think, also for Judas and the Black Messiah as a supporting actor. I think he's a near shoe in, and then obviously following uh, her win at the SAG Awards, I think Yoo Jung uh, Yoon from Minari will win Best Supporting Actor, uh, Actress, I should say. Um, that's probably one of my other locks. Now, what's a category that I'm not really is a hundred percent sold on? Well, aside from some of those documentary shorts, live action shorts, and uh, you know, animated short, you know, categories where I just have not had a chance some of the, the, the entries I'm kind of wondering if a movie like Soul beats out Wolf Walkers because a lot of people really loved Wolf Walkers for uh, you know as the potential winner for best animated feature but I think Soul's gonna take it home but I'm kind of it's it's a 50-50 toss-up to me. I think it could go either way. I would not be shocked if Wolf Walkers wins that that Best Animated Feature Award. Although my my rooting interest, I guess, or my money would be on soul because I really thought that movie was fantastic and deserves the uh, praise from the Academy. But as we all know, all these categories could go up in smoke. Who knows what will happen, how Oscar voters have decided, you know, well, the biggest interest, I think, to me is, you know, how much how many movies the oscar voters were able to maybe watch this year because of theaters being closed obviously they had a in like an academy portal where you could watch uh, you know streams of the films but i'm kind of curious to see if some of the elderly oscar voters maybe did that but uh, it'll be an interesting ceremony to say the least it maybe doesn't have the the cachet as, as some other ceremonies do with a lot of bigger movies that are out there but i think it'll still be an interesting ceremony though to watch and to see who comes away with winners. There should be some history made, I would think, with Chloe Zhao at the very least. Um, but other than that, feel free to comment on our post and tell us who you think will win in whatever category you might uh, want to pick up on. And uh, if you have any questions or concerns, just give us a give us a holler and we'll talk to you about it. Well, we love to talk movies and definitely uh, can't wait to see what happens this year at the Academy Awards. This is Craig Shop with the Ohioan Podcast signing off.